what is the good life? I don't mean good in general or a kind of philosophical question about what it means to have a good life, but the good life. The mental image we all have of life if it were just a little better. Maybe it's if we added something to our life and had something new. Maybe it's something more. Or maybe it's just different. Different than what we have now. If you were to compare the good life to your current life, what would be different? What would stay the same? Would you be different? Or would you stay the same? What if I told you that God wants you to have the good life? Maybe not the one in your mental image, but the one that he has for you. Where you thrive. Maybe not in a social media way, but in a real way. A true way. And what if he's woven it into creation in such a way that it's plain? That you can see it in a hill of ants or a thunderstorm? That you can hear it in a song or a story of suffering? that you can see it in new love and in death. What if all we had to do was listen? Welcome to Christianese and part one of our series on the wisdom books. In this episode, The Sayings. When we think about wisdom, we tend to think of the ability to make good decisions or to think clearly about certain things. Someone who is wise can chart a good course into the future. And while that is true, Wisdom is far more than just the ability to make good decisions. Proverbs chapter 8 describes wisdom as a woman standing on top of prominent places, at street intersections, the gates of cities, doorways into homes, a woman who speaks and demands our attention. And she says, The Lord created me as the beginning of his works before the deeds of long ago. I was there when he established the heavens, when he laid out the horizon on the surface of the ocean, when he placed the skies above, when the foundation of the deep gushed out, when he set a limit for the sea so that the waters would not violate his command, when he laid out the foundations of the earth. I was beside him as a skilled craftsman, and I was his delight day by day, rejoicing before him at all times, rejoicing in the habitable part of the earth and its people. So now, children, listen to me. Those who keep my ways are happy. For the one who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But the one who misses me harms himself. All who hate me love death. Wisdom, or what the Hebrews called chokmah, is not merely a way to make decisions or a secret set of insights. It's the way that God created the world. If it were a person, it was the skilled craftsman by which God created everything. It's the curvature of reality. 
a tree that grows up healthily and bears good fruit is acting according to chokmah, or the way that God created it. A person who fights against his neighbor and steals from them is acting against the way that God created the world, against chokmah. Wisdom is understanding the way that God made and governs the world and acting according to or within those guidelines. But because of sin, wisdom isn't always easy to find, much less easy to practice. As sin tainted and warped reality, wisdom started to look a lot like foolishness, like weakness, like missing out. Even though wisdom was the way God created the world to function, it's not the way the world wanted to be. It's not the way many of us want to be at all times. But wisdom is there. She is available. And even though her voice is a little bit harder to hear, you can still find her if you listen. God hasn't left us to wander around and discover wisdom for ourselves. He's given us five books in our Bibles that outline wisdom. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, Psalms, and Song of Songs. These five books I'm going to organize into three categories. First, there's the sayings, or the book of Proverbs. These are nuggets of teaching and philosophy that practically show us and wrestle with what wisdom is and the best way to live our life. The second group are what I'll call the struggles, Ecclesiastes and Job, two books that wrestle with what happens when wisdom doesn't seem to work out, when we do the right thing, but something bad happens. And the last category, the songs, is Psalms and Song of Songs. These books use music to connect our heads to our hearts, taking our emotions, the pain, the happiness, the confusion, the anxiety, and helping us filter those feelings through wisdom. Together, these five books don't answer every question of life, but give us a well-rounded look at what wisdom is and how we should live. Over the next three episodes, I'm going to go through these five books, giving an overview of each one so that you can understand the purpose and the outline of these books and can get into them for yourselves. Today, we're only going through one book, Proverbs, the Book of Sayings, a collection of wisdom from sages in ancient Israel defining and illustrating wisdom in its beauty. We tend to treat Proverbs like a coffee table book or one of those joke books that inexplicably ends up in people's bathrooms. 101 jokes to tell your little brother. But Proverbs isn't just a collection of random sayings. It's a plea from a father to a son encouraging him to live in a way that honors God and lead him to flourishing. In the first 10 chapters of Proverbs, there are 10 speeches from a father to his son that all go in the same sort of rhythm. They all open with an exhortation asking the son to listen. As in Proverbs 3.1, My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Then the father teaches his son a lesson then concludes by telling his son how this wisdom will make his life better. Your barns will be full, your vats of wine will overflow, you'll be prosperous, you'll live in peace, you'll have a big wonderful family. Or as we might say it, 
life will be good. And intermingled in these 10 speeches are four poems from a woman, the personification of wisdom, asking the son to do the same thing the father is, to listen to me. Because when you do, things will go well with you. And this intermingling, this braiding of these two voices shows us that Solomon and the other wise sages in Proverbs aren't just sharing life lessons with us and earthly wisdom, but through them we're hearing the voice of Lady Wisdom, of Hokma, of Divine Wisdom herself. The Proverbs aren't just a collection of ancient smart tweets. They are God entreating us to live in His world, His way. There's an unspoken challenge in Proverbs. Are you going to choose to live by God's wisdom or by your own? In any given circumstance, that's the challenge, isn't it? Am I going to follow the wisdom of God or am I going to go in a way that I think is best? Our contemporary wisdom, follow your heart, is essentially just that. Do what you feel is right in any given moment. But when you read Proverbs and you hear what wisdom says, Following your gut or your heart or simply responding to your emotions is not the path of wisdom. In fact, it's the very drumbeat of foolishness. Now, not every desire we have is wrong, but if you want to assure yourself regret and mistakes, simply go wherever your desires lead you. Solomon illustrates it through a story. In Proverbs chapter 7, he says that he looked out his window and saw a young foolish man. And this young man wandered past the house of an adulteress, a woman who had flattered him with her words. Her flattery lured him in, but that was only the start. This woman doesn't lean into the young man's reason, but seduces him through the senses. The way that she looks, the way that she smells, the way that the food in her home tastes, the way that it smells, the way the Egyptian cotton that's on her bed feels. She says, my husband is gone on a long trip and he won't be back soon. Come with me. She is demanding the young man's attention, much like wisdom is, calling out to him, asking him to follow her, and his desire gets the best of him. Solomon says, suddenly he was going after her like an ox that goes to the slaughter, like a stag prancing into a snare until an arrow pierces its liver. And those she has slain are many. Her house is on the way to the grave, going down to the chambers of death. Proverbs 7 is traditionally taught as a warning against adultery, and it is that. But it's also more than that. The adulteress is the personification of foolishness, the apposition to Lady Wisdom. Because after this, Solomon doesn't say, stay with your wife or wait until you're married. He says, does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? And then wisdom speaks. To you, O people, I call out, and my voice calls to all mankind. You who are naive discern wisdom. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing in them twisted or crooked. All of them are clear to the discerning and upright to those who find knowledge. Blessed is the one who listens to me watching at my doors day by day, waiting beside my doorway. For the one who finds me has found life 
and received favor from the Lord. But the one who misses me brings harm to himself. All who hate me love death. Solomon starts Proverbs by begging his son to listen to him, to be wise, and to drive this point home to a young hormonal prince who's probably looking for a wife, he says that there are two women he has to choose between, wisdom and foolishness. One comes easy. You can find her if you just follow your nose, but her door leads to death. The other is standing on top of her roof, shouting for attention, pleading with you to listen to her. And if you just wait by her door, you'll find life. The rest of Proverbs is generally what you and I think about when we think about Proverbs. It's the one or two verse sayings of wisdom that are very situational, very particular, but show us what wisdom is. But what's really interesting about Proverbs is that it doesn't spend as much time describing a wise man as it does a fool. In fact, if you read Proverbs, you may leave with a much better picture of what foolishness looks like than what wisdom often does. And in Proverbs, we see that there's not just one kind of fool. There's four. There's the stubborn, the simple, the sluggard, and the scoffer. And as you read about these four different kinds of fools, it's really easy to think about who those people are in our lives, the foolish people that we know. And to a degree, Proverbs is teaching us to be able to recognize foolishness, to see where it leads so that we can avoid that same path. But what is difficult and what is wise is to read about the four different kinds of fools and to see yourself. Proverbs 3.7 Don't be wise in your own estimation, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs shows us the fools, the stubborn, the simple, the sluggard, and the scoffer, so that we can recognize that behavior in ourselves and turn away from it. The first and most common kind of fool is the stubborn. Proverbs mentions them over 60 times. This is a person who is wise in their own eyes. They are ardently committed to their own way of seeing the world. They are slow to listen, quick to take offense, quick to fight, and resistant to make peace. As Proverb 18.2 says, they take no pleasure in understanding, only in expressing their own opinion. Proverbs 12.16, their vexation is known at once. And Proverbs 29.11, they give full vent to their own spirit. You might see this in someone who says, I'm just being honest, or I'm just saying, or I like to be blunt, or I'm going to say the things that everyone else is thinking, but no one has the guts to say. Someone who's just saying isn't wise, they're stubborn. They're more committed to their own way of thinking than any form of wisdom. If the stubborn had a slogan, it would be can't tell me nothing. The second fool is the sluggard. It'd be easy to call them lazy, but it's more accurate to say they are prone to excusing their own actions. They may want to be wise, to do good, to work hard, but there are competing interests in their lives keeping them from doing that. They're the masters of extenuating circumstances, of talking themselves into small compromises, to procrastination, and to making small decisions that let them just drift and stay where they are. Proverbs 13.4 says the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. Proverbs 16.10-11 
a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber. The sluggard, if anything, is a tragedy because their slogan is, eh, I'm all right. The third fool is the simple. We tend to think of simpletons as people who are unintelligent, but the simple is really someone who looks for what's easy. They avoid difficult questions, conversations, and circumstances. They don't give much thought to what they believe and are satisfied with simple comfort and distraction. In their desire to avoid discomfort, they don't build deep relationships that can endure conflict. They don't build a deep faith that can last through difficult questions. They simply turn to what's easiest, what's comfortable, what will leave them unbothered, and that which will affirm them. Now we all like comfort, and we prefer to not be in conflict. But the tragedy of the simpleton is that they don't engage with discomfort. They don't seek conflict resolution, they're simply avoidant. And this leads to shallow relationships, a shallow faith, and a shallow understanding of life. When Solomon talks about Proverbs leading to death, it may sound a little bit dramatic, but when you start reading about the fools, the stubborn, the sluggard, and the simple, it's not hard to see how their actions are destructive. Their actions may lead to actual death, but even worse, their actions lead to a slow kind of dying, a resistance to wisdom and the life that God offers. The stubborn pushes back, the sluggard simply drifts away, and the simple leaves before they have a chance to learn the wisdom in difficulty. But the final fool, the scoffer, is the most destructive because they don't only hurt themselves, but they actively destroy the people around them. The scoffer's pride is their guiding light, and they try to control and manipulate others because they not only know best for themselves, they know best for everyone else too. They establish themselves as the authority while rejecting accountability or any sort of authority over them. Their authority could be an official leadership position or it could simply be an attitude of listen to me or else. But what's consistent is that they don't answer to anyone. They are clearly seen in mocking those who question them, ostracizing those who challenge them, and leave a trail of pain in their wake. And Proverbs doesn't take it easy on them. Chapter 24, verse 9, the devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. Proverbs 21, 24, scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with pride. And Proverbs 29, 8, scoffers set cities on fire. Foolishness is not simply being silly. It's living in a way that is destructive to yourself and potentially others. It's living in a way that is contrary to the way that God designed the world. So it should be no surprise that God wants us to turn to him and to listen to his wisdom. Sometimes we're scoffers. 
Each one of us tends to reject accountability. Sometimes we're stubborn. We don't want people to tell us what to do and how to do it. Sometimes we're scoffers. Sometimes we're sluggards. Each one of us has the capacity to be any of these fools. Foolishness isn't a personality test or like a Hogwarts house where you're just one of four different things. So we have to be aware of the way that we're acting, the way that we're reacting, and who we're serving. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul calls the wisdom of God polupoikulos, a word most simply translated multifaceted. But the word was most often used to describe pieces of art, mosaics, murals, paintings that were made up of many vibrant colors. God's wisdom is a beautiful work of art written throughout creation and given to us in a book. But lest we think we just need to memorize Proverbs in order to have a good life, Proverbs chapter 1 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways and He will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own estimation, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will bring healing to your body and refreshment to your inner self. The one who finds wisdom and obtains understanding is blessed, for her benefit is more profitable than silver, and her gain is better than gold. Thanks for listening this week, everybody. A big thanks goes out to the teaching team at Citizens Church who really opened up Proverbs in a lot of ways for me. If you want to dig more deeply into the way of wisdom and the four types of fools and the wisdom books in general, I highly recommend their sermon series, Wisdom and Wonder. And if you've made it this far, go ahead and take an extra second to hit the like button, subscribe, or maybe send this podcast to a friend. I figure if you find this podcast helpful, you'll probably share it, so I don't need to ask you to do those things, but if you'd like to leave a review, I won't stop you, and I really like hearing from you. Until next time, I'm Drew Fitzgerald, and this has been Christianese.